hello, and thank you so much for joining us once again. It is the Nightly Pleasures Podcast, episode number 81. Um, apologies for the delay in the uploads last week, and then again this week, and then this episode, just to tell you guys, it's long because it's a live show. I do a couple of these a month now, and this one was a lot of fun. The last one was a lot of fun, too, and I was hoping just once because it was the holidays you could forgive me, maybe, for being behind on recording and all that. The good news is that I have finally gotten done upgrading my studio enough that hopefully giant trucks going by, etc., will no longer be picked up by the mic. So, uh, recording is about to start being pumped out like you wouldn't believe, and I am very, very excited for it. Uh, in the meantime, please enjoy this still a little bit scratchy with a cat eating and refrigerator humming in the background introduction uh, of a podcast that's also not perfectly recorded, but a lot, a lot of fun. Um, if you want to skip to the phone sex portion, it's about <clears throat> 45 minutes long. Uh, so it's the last approximately 45 minutes of the broadcast. For everybody else, uh, there's a lot of poetry. There's Edgar Allan Poe for Christmas. It annoys me. You can probably hear it in my voice. Uh, <laughs> and uh, otherwise, there's a lot of fun. Again, I do do these live shows, uh, live streams, I should call them, a couple of times a month now that my health has gotten better. And if you've never heard one before, I hope you enjoy. This is the start of the recording. <laughs> okay, okay. There it is. Now the girls are sending stuff in. That makes me feel better. Before we get started is a Dominica tea here. Is a Dominica tea here? Before I launch into something, Dominica. Either way, because I am uh, recording now, Dominica, thank you so much. You're her. Well, Dominica T, thank you very, very much. Before we get started. Greatly appreciated. She says, have a great show, Jack. I'm excited for it to begin. And she gave quite a tip. So thank you. So thank you. We have a, another piece from Christine T. She gave us something pretty hot to read last week. And she says, hey, Jack, I have some more hot smut for you to read. Please, if you would like to. And then she writes a little bit more that I probably shouldn't read out loud. I guess that second part's just to me, huh, Chris? Well, hello. Goodness. <laughs> well, I do. I'm blushing a little bit. All right, so I've pulled that up. And then while I do, before I forget to launch into the show, I had a story. I had a call center story that I wouldn't tell. And I asked you guys to remind me because I told other ones and I can't remember which it is. <laughs> so if you guys could give me a little bit of a prod on that one. Because I remember the two that I did tell. I told the one where I freaked out 
in Toronto. Not Toronto. My gosh. Ontario. I've done that twice. <laughs> and then I did the one where I was Jack Bowering some dude. <laughs> that I'm definitely not telling now that I'm recording. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Ottawa, not Ontario. Yes, Ontario. Ottawa's the capital. Yes, Ontario, where they speak French. Ghost Pepper, thank you so much. This is a story that takes place in a call center. This is a story that takes place in a call center where I am a manager or a sub-manager. And I'm about to become, after this story, promoted to international sales. <laughs> Quebec, that's what I mean. I cannot forget the, yes, Quebec, that's where, that's where that story takes place. I couldn't remember. They were French-speaking, so it's Quebec. Anyway, Ottawa's, all I know about Ottawa is Ottawa's a whole, after a Canadian girl and I dated. Is all is every time anybody would mention the capital, she would just go Ottawa's a whole. So <laughs> that's why I think Ottawa. <laughs> that's how she said Ottawa's a whole. She was born there too. She lived there for her first twenty years. <laughs> Ghost Pepper story. This is the story. Of Diablo juice. So, I don't know how it started, but this is back in a period of the internet where you had to ask people if they knew what YouTube was, and they would probably say no. This is that period of the internet where you'd be like, do you know what YouTube is? And they'd be like, uh, no, no, what is that? Right? We're on the we're on the, we're on the cutting edge of internet jerking offness because we work in a call center where we only take three to four hours of calls a day some days, uh, so we have found every square inch of free flash games and videos and everything on the internet. I have watched so many YouTube documentaries of the SAR bomb at this point on YouTube. <laughs> so this is also a call center where no women were promoted for no reason, I'm sure, even though they made up like 60% of the workforce. So there's a bit more, a bit of machismo in the managerial class. And this is a stretch where we're really bored. I don't know why, but it's been days of being bored. And we look up a documentary on YouTube about the hottest peppers. And Wikipedia at this point is super not reliable because it's super incomplete. It's not that people are mis-editing it. It's at the point of the internet where there's just not enough fact-checking. There's not enough what-have-you to determine what the hottest pepper is. And so we determine through YouTube that it's the ghost pepper. And so predating the story, there's a briefer story where we get uh, a ghost pepper itself and we cut it up, open and we all put it on our tongue. And it's bad, but it's not that bad. So this is the story of Diablo juice, which comes from somewhere in South America. I don't remember where. And was made from the extract of ghost peppers. So we called it Diablo juice 
because we could not read the label, and just to be clear, I'm the whitest guy of this group. When I'm saying we can't read the label, it's not because it's in Spanish, because half of these motherfuckers are from Puerto Rico, right? Like, <laughs> it's not because we don't... <laughs> It's not because we can't make it henche, all right? It's because it's that shitty of a label. So <laughs> we take to calling it the devil juice. It's an all black. It's tinted. It's UV tinted glass on the on the side of it so that the sun doesn't melt any of it. <laughs> it's tiny. It's like literally a quarter of an ounce, the entire jar. We're a little terrified, but none of us will admit it at this point. And so we all put a drop of that bad boy shit right on our tongue. We all stick our tongue out like we're having a little bit of a fucking jerk-off communion. And it's applied via dropper. And we all get it placed right on. And it's bad. And it's bad right away. But here's the thing. Is it keeps getting worse. So initially you're like, But then you kind of recover. You adjust. You adjust. <laughs> You adjust, and you think you're okay. You're all right. You're okay. And so that's what the first person did, and then we all line up like little altar boys at fucking Penn State. We cannot wait to get it on our tongue. And so we all take it. We all take it. We're all, ah. But then, unlike the time that we took the ghost pepper sliver and ate it, Nobody's really recovering. <laughs> We're all like, oh, ah, for like three or four minutes. And then we start realizing like, uh-oh, this is still happening. We're not adjusting to the heat. <laughs> so what happens is the other guy who's about as white as I am, he starts turning fucking purple. And all of the other guys are fucking making fun of him. He's a rotund man. He's fairly round and pale. And so they start calling him a character from Willy Wonka. <laughs> I won't proceed from there. But that somehow was the worst thing that could have happened. Because... That initiated laughter. And what followed, we're getting paid for this. We are the support staff. If somebody has an escalation, we are the ones who take that call. Somebody who starts calling him violent, we all start laughing. And laughing makes air go in and out of your mouth. I don't know if you know this. And the pain of that? The pain of that? Was up. Terrible. We all start like we all start like shaking and like I start turning fucking pink from the pain of laughing. And so he starts laughing at us because we were just calling him Violet. And then he starts laughing and then he's in the worst of all of it. And then again, I want to talk about how most of these guys are dark skinned. So we are turning colors, me and the pale guy, but the other dark skinned guys are not. But they are sure feeling the fucking effects. So even though me and Patrick are turning into My Little Pony characters, they 
are having worse effects, right? Because Patrick's a big boy and I'm a tall guy. I weigh like 275 in this story. I'm pretty buff. And we all took a dropper from the drop. So even though they were initially calling us colors and what have you, the boys from Puerto Rico, after about 30 minutes, because they were a pair of brothers and then there was a friend of theirs, after about 30 minutes, the lightweights, one of them says, and I will never, ever, ever forget this. Guys, you have to stop joking because I can't see. And we start laughing our asses off. And after we get done laughing, the laughing doesn't really hurt anymore. He goes, guys, I'm not kidding. I can't see. I'm totally blind. And we realize that he's telling the truth. We realize that he's blind. And we start laughing so much fucking harder. We start laughing so much fucking harder. <laughs> he's freaking out. He's like waving his hands. And he's like, what are we going to do? I'm like, you work at a call center. I remember saying that. And he was like, starts crying a little bit because he can't see. I'm like, you work at a call center. You'll be able to hear everything and they'll be fine. I'm being that much of a dick to him. I know. Fucking welcome to how I play. <laughs> Fucking, fucking call me my little, fucking call me Firefly one more time, bitch. Just because I'm the right shade of pink. (laughs) So, so after he's blind, I'm laughing my ass off that he's like whimpering and like crying a little bit at the fact that he can't see. Ooh, did you hear one of one of their five senses and loves to drive more than anything? Mm. I'm laughing my ass off. <laughs> and that causes me to fully up Chuck. Like the stomach churning like quake that I just felt it. I just all of a sudden, all of a sudden I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> and I ran And just like the exorcist. No, it wasn't a rumble. It was a spasm. And just like the exorcist, it all shot out of me. In one, like, Jurassic Park, like, dollop from that one spinning dinosaur. It was glorious. It just went, blah. It just all out. Just all out. All out my throat. Didn't even touch the sides of my throat. It all just shot out of my mouth like I had been saving it up like Kirby, and I was ready to go. And then all of it was out, and it wasn't even burning my throat or anything because it literally shot out of me. It didn't climb out of me. It shot out. And then after that, I just had a little bit of burnt tongue. And so for the rest of that night, don't worry, he got his eyesight back. For the rest of that night, nobody knew I threw up. And so I was downplaying a little bit. I was like, yeah, I guess it's pretty harsh. But I was totally cured. And so for the rest of that fucking shift, I was like pretending to take second dollops from the fucking jar stopper. I was like calling all of them little bitches and all the rest of it. Oh, I had so much fun. I did I did a little Oompa Loompa reference. I went boom 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 ba 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 ba. It's fantastic. I was the king dick. 
And then, and then I went to a bar and I told a gal about it and she didn't believe me. She didn't believe that that's why I was actually sucking on a thing of ice, right? I asked for a cup of ice and absolutely no beer from this bar. And so I convinced her that if she kissed me, it would burn the shit out of her no matter how much ice I had in my mouth. Total fucking stranger, too. I was like, if you lick this tongue, it's going to burn the shit out of you. That's how you'll know. Sure enough. <laughs> sure enough. <laughs> That's the end of that story. All right. This is all true story. That's a 100% true story, beginning to end. Why are you sucking on a thing of ice anyway? Because your clit's not available. That's how that conversation started. <laughs> not really. Not, not really. That was fake. Guys, say thank you, wicked. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Here's a pro tip. As soon as I say, as soon as I say that's a true story, right? I'm no longer bound. I'm no longer bound and I can no longer wait to start being bullshitty again. That's the key. That's the tell. That was a true story. Almost always the next thing out of my mouth is bullshit. I've been saving it up. Darling, you look so good tonight. I don't know if I can wait. Bullshit. Bullshit. I could wait for the rest of the fucking... Wait until I'm bones and dust. Bullshit. It'll make you jump me, though, so let's do it. <laughs> all right, all right. <clears throat> let's go ahead and get Christmas on a started. There's lots of things to read today. Thank you, guys. It's getting harder to trust my bullshit now. AK, how dare you? I always tell you when I'm lying. I always tell you when I'm lying if you call me on it. Always, always, always. You just have to ask me. I will tell you. I'll be like, you got that? Good job. Yeah, well, that's the game. I will always tell you the truth if you make me. That's a way better deal than you'll get from any other man. Tell me it's not true. Tell me it's not fucking true. <laughs> I will always tell you the truth if you ask for it. You just have to want it. It's a good system. Because if you don't ask, we all happy. Mm. Save up your bullshit. Jack, are you cheating on me? No. And then you get to go to sleep okay that night, because I will not fucking lie to you. I won't have the energy. <laughs> do, do you want to fuck my sister? Yeah. I'm not going to. I just want to. I would never do it. I don't fuck any random woman when I'm with a woman. Much less your sister. But since you've asked... Yes, she looks amazing, and you know it. You're always talking about how hot she is, and we just saw her, and we were just together. You you asked. I won't be thinking about her in two days, but here we are. <laughs> Here's a true story. 
before I read this from Chris, I'm actually very excited to get into this because her last one was fun. <laughs> True story. A European woman asked me if I thought her sister was attractive. And since I decided to just, like, whatever, let's do it. I was like, she sure is. She went, yes, I think so, too. And I admire you for answering it that way. The rest is for me, but that did happen. <laughs> I was like, well, all right. The Costanza play works sometimes. <laughs> no, you guys got the true story thing backwards. If I say it's true, it's true. <laughs> you just have to make sure that it's on a true fount if you want to. <laughs> ah. All right, all right, all right. That morning, I tied Diana up before she was fully awake and fucked her while she sang happy birthday to me. She couldn't come until she finished the song, but I made her start over and over until she was in tears, and I was ready to explode inside her. She was everything I'd ever wanted in a woman. She was smart, bold, intrepid, principled. Everything I could admire in another human being, I admired in her, and she was all I desired. Warm, yielding, open-minded, honest, submissive, and perfectly masochistic. Sometimes, when she fell asleep in my arms, or when we were in the cellar and some well-meaning cocksucker of a dom asked if I'd share her, I thought I was kidding myself. <clears throat> she couldn't possibly want to deal with my shit, couldn't be letting me fuck her face, while who even knew watched from beyond the glass. But she did. Time and again, she let me break her and rebuild her. She gave and gave. I struggled to keep up, taking better care of her, giving her more of what she seemed inside, seemed to need inside and outside the game. The score was never even. I was always down, owing her more than I could ever repay. Stand here. Arms on your head, legs apart. Come on. She did as she was told, eyes cast down as she'd been taught. I could do whatever I wanted to her, and she'd let me. She'd beg me. That knowledge alone was enough to send a rush of rousing chemicals through my blood. I opened her fly. Look at me, birthday girl. Her tempered glass eyes flicked up. I felt around my pocket for the little silicon toy. It was the size and shape of a flattened walnut. We're going to see someone I trust. That's all you need to know. Yes, sir. I ran my finger along the folds until she was wet. Then I laid the toy between her underwear and her pussy. I snapped her underwear in place and closed her pants. Once we were in the elevator, I fingered the remote control in my pocket with one hand, and held her with the other. Stay calm. I said, as the doors whooshed open to let in half the accounting staff. Why? She barely got the word out before I pressed the button. She gasped, even at the lowest setting. 
Everyone turned to look at her. She was bright red, smiling, the owner of the visionary company with a vibrating egg, kissing her clit. I shut it off when everyone was out of the elevator. Oh, my God, she said as I led her across the lobby. What are you doing? Giving you your birthday present. Remember what I said about trusting me? I let her go through the revolving doors in front of me, and she held herself until until we were spit into the street where a black car waited. Theory opened the black door. Why? It's not just fun if you don't trust me. And that's why. Hi, Theory, she said. I helped her into the car. She looked both intrigued and worried, just the way I liked her. What's this thing? she asked as I slid in from across her and Theory closed the door. Some kind of vibrator? Oh, sorry. Some kind of vibrator? How does it feel? Good, but... I flicked the button to buzz her, and she jolted. Slide the edge of the seat and open your knees. Kick your feet on the floor. But I want it a hundred twenty degrees between your legs. The car lurched to a start, and we headed downtown. Hands behind your seat. No talking. She complied beautifully, a calm setting over me. I'm not giving you something you can unwrap. We're past that. This will be the first birthday where I get to give you what you truly need. I'm going to give you what I should have given you in the first place. She ground her hips into thin air. Did you hear me? Yes, sir. What did I say? Birthday. Something. Can't wrap it. Something. Do you want to tell me? Do you want me to tell you? Sure. She was fully pliant in the drunken space just past manageable arousal where the patience and violence found their outlet. But she was also complacent. I fisted her hair and pulled her to the floor at my feet. Take it out, I said as she got her knees under her. Take it out and suck on it. She fumbled with my belt, hook, zipper, cock. She had been at this long enough to know I didn't want her to suck like a hooker. She opened her mouth and her throat. Don't come, I said, or the punishment's going to fit the crime. I pushed her head onto my lap, rubbing my head on the back of her throat. I hadn't felt guilty about my cruelty in weeks, even as I remembered the sound of remorse in the back of my head. She wanted my cruelty as much as my kindness, needed both as much as I did. I pulled her head off me, and she gulped air. I should have you alone in Montauk this weekend. I will. Before she had a chance to react, I pushed her face on my dick, and she took every inch of it like a fucking champion. You and me alone. I pushed her down, let her breathe, pushed her down again. I pulled her off me so I looked into her eyes. That's the first half. Are you ready? Yes. She whispered with a spit dropping from the bottom of a droplet of spit 
dropping from the bottom half of her face. If you think so. I do. She was in heaven, with her clit vibrating in my fist in her hair. She snapped deep into a sexualized high. I was responsible for keeping her safe while she was like this. And I always would. Her protection was my pleasure. Swallow. I put my cock back in her mouth. All of it. Good girl. I came in her mouth just in time for Teary to turn on Ludlow Street. <clears throat> there you go. Got a little bit of a... A little bit of a siren going past. Uh, Kitty has sent in a tip saying it's going to be a great show. Raw, raw, raw. Thank you so much, Kitty. Nothing to read, kitten? Not too late to DM me. Thank you very much. And then from uh, Vogel, thanks for taking care of us. You did. I'm so sorry. I didn't see the DM from you. There we are. Thank you very much, Vogel. <clears throat> well, all right. We've got our first little Christmas piece. Oh my god, really? This one? Is this the name of this one? I guess I've never heard the proper name of this one before. Here we go. It's a classic. Let me get back to the room. Okay, okay. A visit from St. Nicholas. "'Twas the night before Christmas, when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds, while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. And Mama in her kerchief, and I in my cap, had just settled our brains for a long winter's nap, when out on the lawn there came such a clatter, I sprang from the bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters, and threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of the newly fallen snow gave a luster of midday to objects below. And when what to my wondering eye did appear but a miniature sleigh, and eight tiny reindeer. With a little old driver so lively and quick, I knew in a moment that he must be Saint Nick. More rapid than eagles, his courses they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now, Dasher, now, Dasher, now, Prancer and Vixen, on Comet, on Cupid, on Donner, on Blitzen. To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall. Now dash away, dash away, dash away all. Dash away, dash away, dash away all. 
as leaves that before the wild hurricanes fly, when they meet with an obstacle mount to the sky. So up to the housetop the coursers they flew, with the sleigh full of toys, and St. Nicholas too. And then in a twinkling I heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each little hoof. As I drew in my head, as the turning around down the chimney St. Nicholas came in with a bound. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot, and his clothings were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys that had flung on his back, and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His eyes, how they twinkled, his dimples, how merry. His cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and his beard on his chin was white as the snow. The stump of his pipe he held tight in his teeth, as the smoke it encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face and a round little belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. And a wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me no. Then I had nothing to dread, and he spoke not a word, but went straight to his work and filled up the stockings, then turned with a jerk and laying a finger aside of his nose and giving a nod up the chimney. He rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle, and away to all he flew down of a thistle. But I heard him exclaim, ere he drove out of sight, Happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night. Yep. There you go. Kind of impromptu Santa voice. Definitely would take another... Definitely would take another run at the Santa voice, if I could. <laughs> it's a no-gas day, so I can do big voices like that. Like this. I can't normally do them because I'm sick, but not today. Yeah. Eventually, I'll be able to do shit like that all the time. Right now, I can't. I can sing from my stomach. Normally I can't. Right now the stomach's not spasming. It's all gentle. I'm healed enough. That's not making any difficulty today. So now all of the th problem is in my throat. My throat's a little scratchy. You can probably hear it. It's a little scratchy scratch. So I got all this power. But then it's a little scratchy. <sighs> one day though, one day I'll be healed. One day. Oh my god, I kind of forgot I was in a live show because I'm feeling so good, and I just started to read the article I was reading before I fucking started doing the live show. Fucking went just straight right back to Washington Post. Oh my god, I was about to start reading that. But pursuing the legislation that most of the country doesn't like is still very risky. Poll after poll shows only one-third of Americans think that it's a good idea, and the vast majority feel it's heavily skewed to favor the rich and big businesses. This has been Jack. With your political talk. Allie, how much... Allie, how much prep time do we need on uh, the girl? 
just while I'm looking at everything. Yeah, I know. Okay, so it's just like, just already drop her out? Yeah. Yeah, the way that it's worked is you just DM Allie before a show, and that's how it's been working so far. Sorry, Misbehave, we're still trying to roll all this stuff out. Uh, oh no, did you guys miss some of it? Next time, there will be a lot more of this. I'm enjoying it. Oh my gosh, well somebody else requested this guy too. I guess we're doing a few from him. Alright, here we go. <clears throat> it was many and many a year ago, in a kingdom by the sea, that a maiden lived there whom you may know by the name of Annabel Lee. And this maiden she lived with no other thought than to love and be loved by me. I was a child, and she was a child, in this kingdom by the sea. But we loved with a love that was more than love, and I, my Annabel Lee, with a love that winged seraphs of heaven coveted her and me. And that was the reason that long ago, in this kingdom by the sea, a wind blew out of a cloud, chilling my beautiful Annabel Lee, so that her high-born kinsman came and bore her away from me to shut her up in a sculpture in a kingdom by the sea. The angels, not half so happy in heaven, went envying her and me. Yes, that was the reason, as all men know, in this kingdom by the sea, that the wind came out of the cloud by night, chilling and killing my Annabel Lee. But our love it was stronger by far than the love of those who were older than we, of many far wiser than we, and neither the angels in heaven above nor the demons down under the sea can ever dissever my soul from the soul of my beautiful Annabelle Lee. For the moon never beams without bringing me dreams of my beautiful Annabelle Lee, and the stars never rise, but I feel the bright eyes of my beautiful Annabelle Lee. And so, all the night tide, I lie down by the side of a darling, my darling, my life, and my bride, in her soldier there by the sea, in her tome by the sounding sea. My, my, my. Oh, you girls just, you just love it when I do poetry for you, don't you? More than anything, don't you, don't you, don't you? What is it about me doing poetry that you love so much? Mark but this flea, and mark in this, how little that which thou deniest me is, if sucked me first, and now sucks thee, and in this flea are two bloods mingled be. Thou knowest that this cannot be said, A sin, nor shame, nor loss of maidenhead. 
Yet this enjoys before it woo, and pampered swells with one blood made of two. This is, alas, is more than we would do. Oh, stay, three lives and one flea spare. What we almost nay, then married are. This flea is you and I, and this our marriage bed, and marriage temple is. Though parents grudge, and you we are met, and cloistered in these living walls of jet. Though you make you apt to kill me, let not to that self-murder added be, and sacrilege three sins in killing three. Cruel and sudden hast thou since purpled thy nail in blood of innocence? Wherein could this flea guilty be except in that drop which it sucked from thee? Yet thou triumphst and sayest that thou findest not thyself nor me the weaker now. Tis true, then learn how false fears be, just so much honor when thou yieldst to me, will waste as this flea's death took life from thee. Oh my. Yes, I'm afraid that's a pretty dark poem that I've never come across before, but I quite like it. Me taking a little bit of blood from you is really no different than a flea, so give it to daddy. <clears throat> well, your friend has great taste. No, no, no. Don't you fucking move! You are going to listen now. Do exactly as I tell you. Do you understand? You've had that little bratty mouth running all day, and I'm pretty fucking tired of it. You're going to listen now, okay, baby girl? Daddy's in charge now, and you need to keep quiet. I said quiet. I don't want to hear a moan, a whimper, nothing. Now, it's time for you to get on your knees and open that bratty little mouth and show Daddy you know how to behave. Okay. Love times beggar, but even a single hour bright as a dropped coin makes love rich. We find an hour together, spend it not on flowers or wine, but the whole of the summer sky and a grass ditch. For thousands of seconds we kiss, your hair like treasure on the ground, the Midas light turning your limbs to gold. Time slows, for here we are millionaires, backhanding the night so nothing dark will end our shining hour. No jewel can candle to the cuckoo's spit hung from the blade of grass at your ear. No chandelier or spotlight to see you better lit than here. Now, time hates love. Time wants love poor. 
but love spins gold, gold, gold from straw. Do not go gentle into that good night. Old age should burn and rave at close of day. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Though wise men at their ends no dark is right, because their words have forked no lightning, they do not go gentle into that good night. Good men, the last wave by, crying how bright their frail deeds may have danced in a green bay. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Wild men who caught and sang the sun in flight and learned too late, they grieved it on its way. Do not go gentle into that good night. Grave men near death who see with blinding sight. Blind eyes could blaze like meteors and be gay. Rage, rage against the dying of light. And you, my father, there on the sad height, curse, bless me now with your fierce tears. I pray, do not go gentle into that good night. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. It's a shame, because right about now, if I was on my father's deathbed, I would cover his throat. Right? His throat nasal passage. Let's get this over with. Ka-chunk. So it's a little bit different than that one. Uh, I actually threw this one in there so that it would be a little bit of a transition, because uh, Elisa has actually finished her grading. It's been her big dragon for December, and she just finished. So, Elisa, you are a very good girl. <laughs> funny, we this is funny. We were actually just talking about the Magi, who the Magi were, uh, biblically compared to the tradition of Christmas. So, what an interesting choice. <clears throat> One dollar and eighty-seven cents. That was all, and sixty cents of it were pennies. Penny saved and two at a time by bulldozing the grocer at the vegetable man at the butcher until one cheeks burned with the silent imputation of parsimony that such close dealing implied. Three times Della counted it, one dollar and eighty-seven cents, and the next day would be Christmas. There was clearly nothing left to do but flop down on the shabby little couch and howl. So Della did it, which instigates the moral reflection that life has made up of sobs, sniffles, and smiles, with sniffles predominating. While the mistress of the home is gradually subsiding from the first stage of the second to take a look at her home, a first flat at $8 per week, it did not exactly beg description, but it certainly had that wood Word on the lookout of medicinary squad. My God, Henry, tone it down. In the vestibule below, there was a letter box into which no letter would go, an electric button from which no mortal finger could coax a ring. 
Also, appertaining thereunto, was a card bearing the name Mr. James Dillingham Young. The Dillingham had been flung into the breeze during a former period of propriety when its professor was paid $30 a week. Now, with the income shrunk to 20 the letters of Dillingham looked blurred, as though they were thinking seriously of contracting to a modest and unassuming D. But... Whenever Mr. James Dillingham Young came home and reached his flat above, he was called Jim, and greatly hugged by Miss James Dillingham Young, already introduced to you as Della, which is all very good. Della finished her cry and attended to her cheeks with the powder rag. She stood at the window and looked out dully at a gray cat walking on a gray fence in a gray backyard. Tomorrow would be Christmas Day, and she had only $1.87 with which to buy Jim a present. She had been saving every penny she could for months with this result. $20 a week doesn't go far. Expenses had been greater than she had calculated. They always were. Only one eighty-seven to buy a present for Jim. Her Jim. Many a happy hour she had spent planning for something nice for him. Something fine and rare and sterling. Something just a little bit near to being worthy of the honor of being owned by Jim. Her Jim. There was a pier glass between the windows of the room. Perhaps you have seen a pier glass and an eight-dollar bat. Very thin and very agile person may observing his reflection in a rapid sequence of longitudinal strips obtain a fairly accurate concept of his looks. Della, being slender, had mastered the art. Suddenly, she whirled from the window and stood before the glass. Her eyes were shining brilliantly, but her face had lost its color within twenty seconds. Rapidly, she pulled down her hair and let it fall to its full length. Now, there were two possessions of James Dillingham Young's in which they both took a mighty pride. One was Jim's gold watch that had been his father's and grandfather's, and the other was Della's hair. Had the Queen of Sheba lived in the flat across the air shaft, Della would have let her hair hang out the window some day just to dry it and, and, and depreciate Her Majesty's jewels and gifts. Had King Solomon been the janitor, with all his treasures piled up in the basement, Jim would have pulled out his watch every time he passed, just to see at him pluck his beard from envy. So now Della's beautiful hair fell about her, rippling and shining like a cascade of brown waters, and it reached below her knee and made itself almost a garment for her. And then she did herself up nervously and quickly again. Once she faltered for a minute and stood where to tear or splash down the worn carpet. <clears throat> On went her old brown jacket. On went her old brown hat. With a whirl of skirts and with the brilliant sparkle still in her eyes, she cluttered out the door and down the stairs to the street. When he stopped, the sign read, Mem se Hair goods to all kinds. One ate up Dela Rand and collected herself panting. Madame, large, too white, chilly, hardly looked se
Will you buy my hair? asked Della. I buy hair, said Madame. Take your hat off and let's have a sight at the look of it. Down rippled the brown cascade. Twenty dollars, said Madame, lifting the mass with a practiced hand. Give it to me quick, said Della. Oh, and the next two hours tripped by on rosy wings, forget the hashed metaphor. She was ransacking the stores for Jim's present. She found it at last. It surely had been made for Jim and no one else. There was not one like it at any of the stores, and she had turned all of them inside out. It was a platinum fob chain, simple and chaste in design, properly proclaiming its value by substance alone and not by meticulous ornamentation, as all good things should do. It was even worthy of the watch. As soon as she saw it, she knew that it must be Jim's. It was like him, quietness and valuable. The description applied to both. Twenty-one dollars they took from her for it, and she hurried home with seventy-eight cents. With the chain on the watch, Jim might be properly anxious about the time in any company. Grand as a watch was, he sometimes looked at it on the sly account of the old leather strap that he used in place of a chain. When Della reached home, her intoxication gave way a little to prudence and reason. She got out of her curling irons and lighted the gas and went to work repairing the ravages made by generously added to love, which were always a tremendous task, dear friends, a mammoth task. Within forty minutes, her head was covered with tiny, close-lying curls that made her look wonderfully and turrent screwboy. She looked at her reflection in the mirror long, carefully, and critically. If Jim doesn't kill me, she said to herself, before he takes a second look at me, he'll say I look like a Coney Island chorus girl. But what could I do? Oh, what could I do with a dollar and 87 cents? At seven o'clock, the coffee was made and the frying pan was back on the stove, hot and ready to cook the chops. Jim was never late. Della doubled the fob chain in her hand and sat in the corner of the table near the door that he always entered. Then she heard his steps on the stair away down the first flight she went, and she turned white for just a moment. She had a habit of saying little silent prayers about the simplest everyday things, and now she whispered, Please, God, make him still think I'm pretty. The door opened and Jim stepped in and closed it. He looked thin and very serious. Poor fellow. He was only twenty-two, and to be burdened with a family. He needed a new overcoat, and he was without gloves. Jim stepped inside the door as immovable as a settler at the scent of quail. His eyes were fixed upon Della, and there was an expression in him that she could not read and it terrified her. It was not anger, nor surprise, nor disapproval, nor horror, nor any of the sentiments that she had been prepared for. He simply stared at her fixedly with that 
peculiar expression on his face. Della wriggled off the table and went for him. Jim, darling, she cried, don't look at me that way. I had my hair cut off and I sold it because I, I couldn't have lived through Christmas without giving you a present. It'll grow out again. You won't mind, will you? I'll just have to do it. My hair grows awfully fast. Say Merry Christmas, Jim. Let's be happy. You know you want a nice, what a beautiful gift. I've got a nice, beautiful gift for you. You've cut your hair, asked Jim laboriously, as if he had not arrived at the patent fact yet, even after the hardest mental labor. Cut it off and sold it, said Della. Don't you like me just as well, anyhow? I'm me without our hair, aren't I? Jim looked about the room curiously. You say your hair is gone, he said with an air almost of idiocy. You needn't look for it, said Della. I've sold it, I tell you. Sold it, and it's gone, too. It's Christmas Eve, boy. Be good to me, for I went for you. Maybe those hairs on my head were numbered. She went on for a sudden serious sweetness. But nobody could count my love for you. Shall I put the chops on, Jim? Out of his trance, Jim seemed to wake. He enfolds his Della. For ten seconds, let us regard with discreet scrutiny some inconsequential object in the other direction. Eight dollars a week or a million a year, what's the difference? A mathematician or a wit would give you the wrong answer. The Magi brought valuable gifts. But that was not among them. The dark assertion will be illuminated later on. Jim drew a package from his overcoat pocket and threw it up upon the table. Don't make any mistake, Dell, he said, about me. I don't think there's anything in the way of a haircut or a shave or a shampoo that could make me like a girl any less. But if you'll unwrap that package, you may see why it had me going a while at first. White fingers and nimble tore at the string and paper. And then an ecstatic scream of joy. And then, alas, a quick feminine change to hysterical tears and wails, necessitating the immediate employment of all the comforting powers of the lord of the flat. For there lay the combs, the set of combs, side and back, that Della had worshipped for long in a Broadway window. Beautiful combs, pure tortoise shell with jeweled rims, just the shade to wear in the beautiful, vanished hair. They were expensive combs, she knew, and her heart had simply craved and yearned over them without the least hope of possession. And now they were hers. But the tresses that should have adorned and coveted the adornments were gone. But she hugged them to her bosom, and at length she was able to look up with her dim eyes with a smile and say, my hair grows so fast, Jim. And Della leaped up like a little singed cat and cried, Oh, oh! Jim had not seen his beautiful present. She held it out to him eagerly upon her open palm. The dull, precious metal seemed to lash 
with a reflection of her bright and ardent spirit. Isn't it dandy, Jim? I hunted her all over town to find it. You'll have to find it by a hundred times a day by now. Give me your watch. I want to see how it looks on it. Instead of obeying, Jim turned down on the couch and put his hand under the back of his head and smiled. No, said he. Let's put our Christmas presents away and keep them a while. They're just too nice to use at present. I sold the watch to get the money to buy your combs. Now I suppose you have to put the chops on. The Magi, as you know, were wise men, wonderfully wise men, who brought gifts to a babe in the manger. They invented the art of Christmas presents. Being wise, their gifts were no doubt wise ones, possibly bearing the privilege of exchange in case of duplication. And here I have lamely related to you the uneventful chronicle of two foolish children in a flat who most unwisely sacrificed for each other the greatest treasures of their house. But in a last word to the wise of these days, let it be said that all who give gifts, these two were the wisest. Of all who give and receive gifts, such as they are wisest. Everywhere they are wisest. They are the Magi. <laughs> Agreed, it's not the result. All the girls who love me will tell you it's not the result, it's the effort. If I was only judged on the result, you girls wouldn't love me half as much. Uh-uh-uh-uh. <laughs> Gonna take a little sip of water. Just a little sip of water. Oh. <clears throat> A low art. Now that I'm dead, I know everything. This is what I wish would happen, but so many of my wishes, it failed to come true. I only know a few factoids that I didn't know before. Death is much too high a price to pay for the satisfaction of curiosity, needless to say. Since being dead, since achieving this state of bonelessness, liplessness, breastlessness, I've learned some things that I would rather not know, as one does when listening at windows or opening other people's letters. You think you'd like to read minds? Think again. Dawn, here everyone arrives with a sack, like the sacks used to keep the winds in, out each of these sacks is full of words, words you've spoken, words you've heard, words that have been said about you. Some sacks are very small, others large. My own is of a reasonable size, though a lot of the words in it concern my eminent husband. What a fool he made of me, some say. It was specialty of his, making fools. He got away with everything, which was another one of his specialties, getting away. He was always so plausible. Many people, 
had believed his version of events was the true one, give or take a few murders, a few beautiful seductresses, a few one-eyed monster. Even I believed him from time to time. I knew he was tricky and a liar, and just didn't think he would play his tricks and try out his lies on me. Hadn't I been faithful? And I waited and waited and waited, despite the temptation, almost the compulsion to do otherwise. And what did I amount to? The official version gained ground? An edifying legend? <clears throat> A stick used to break other women with. Why couldn't they be as considerate, as trustworthy, as all-suffering as I had been? That was the line they took, the singers, the yarn spinners. Don't follow my example. I want to scream in your ears, yes, yours. But when I try and scream, I sound like an owl. Of course I had inklings about his slipperiness, his willingness, his wiliness, his foxiness, his, how can I put this, his unscrupulousness. But I had turned a blank eye. I kept my mouth shut, or, if I opened it, I sang his praises. I didn't contradict. I didn't ask awkward questions. I didn't dig deep. I wanted happy endings in those days, and happy endings are best achieved by keeping the right doors locked and going to sleep during the rampages. But after the male events were over and things had become less legendary, I realized how many people were laughing at me behind my back, how they were jeering, making noises and jokes, both clean and dirty, how they were turning me into a story, or into several stories, though not the kind of stories I'd prefer to hear about myself. What can a woman do when scandalous gossip travels the world? If she defends herself, she sounds guilty. So, I waited some more. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yes, you are. Hello, dear Huntress. Hope you're enjoying. Hope Chili Chili Sweden isn't good. Is Ebbs here? Ebbs isn't here. We got one Swede, but not the other. Oh, well, oh, well. Spinster, are you here? Spinster, are you here? Yes, you are. Spinster, I can't download something like that, darling. Can you put it up in Pastebin or something? I'm paranoid. If you could, if you could, if somebody could help her with Pastebin, etc., if she's never used it before, it's real easy, it's free. If you could upload the section of that download you want on Pastebin, I'll happily come back for it, Spinster. 
Poor Ebbs. She's going to hear this and she's going to be so sad. I'm sorry. What the fuck am I reading for you, Joya? God damn it. What is this? Oh my god. Oh my god, Joya. Joya. What page is this? It keeps reloading a million times. Joya, could you copy and paste from that site? It literally reloads and won't let me scroll down. It's infuriating. I know it's not your fault. <laughs> but could you? It literally won't let me scroll down. I know, I know, it's not your fault. But I'm trying to scroll down so I can do your rap. <laughs> Which, listen to how fun my day is. Okay. In the meantime... Patrick Jane found himself smiling pretty often this morning, which felt nice, actually. Despite the emotional turmoil the last case had pushed him through, he hated dealing with the wretched past as a con man, the wounds and the shame still deep enough to hurt. He felt better now, which had everything to do with a certain raven-haired agent who had entertained him with glorious banter on their way home. He smiled again. Buckle up, kids. My my instincts are telling me we're going on a journey. <laughs> we learned a lot about this guy in a parenthetical statement that we don't need to know yet as the audience, so buckle up. It's happening. He felt like a worthy human when she was close, lighting his day just by being there. Her smile made him home. All right, kids, let's play a fucking drinking game with smiles. Because <laughs> we're up to three. He watched her pacing his office and then threw a glance at his cellular close to lunchtime. And this dreadful seminary Lisbon insisted he should attend. He wouldn't, of course. But her sad, forlorn eyes when he pointed out that he couldn't understand... Her precarious emotional state still tore at his heart. He knew she'd feel the usual defeat that always awaited her when she dealt with him. Part of him was unmanageable, but sure, she couldn't stop trying, being his boss and all that. But sometimes he could read on her face how very tired she was. And how much she needed a break. What the fuck? Whose perspective is this? And where are we? I thought we were in a car. A break. A slow grin. Counts. Spread on his face. Well, he could provide that. <laughs> and he owed her as much for not allowing him for go depressive the other day before? <laughs> Woo! She cheered him up in the car and had continued to do so later in her steamy bathroom. He never had sex against Amir before, but it had been in a fascinating experience for such a visual man as Patrick Jane! 
He felt very, very chill, cheerful afterwards. Okay, they had this stupid no PDAs at the office rule, but hey, she knew that he wasn't good with rules. <laughs> and he told her that wouldn't change. He waited until everything had left the bullpen for lunch. He knew Lisbon wouldn't be gone for long. She always bought some takeout from a Chinese restaurant around the corner and ate alone at her desk. Well, not this time. He would take care of the alone thingy. I'm going to read that again. We're going to read that again. <laughs> Hold on. We're reading that paragraph again. Because it caught me by too much surprise to pronounce it correctly, I think. He waited until everybody had left the bullpen for lunch. He knew Lisbon wouldn't be gone for long. She always bought some takeout from a Chinese restaurant around the corner and ate alone at her desk. Well, not this time. He would take care of the alone thingy. <laughs> Whistling, he sauntered into her office and took special care to close all the blinds. Teresa Lisbon strolled back into the bullpen, her lunch bag in hand. And this actually had felt like an ordinary, eventful day so far, which had been fine with her, truly. She stopped dead in her tracks. Well, this had to be the moment when her luck finally ran out. Her blinds were closed, and that never meant something good. Part of her wanted to run, eat her lunch in the kitchen, Ignore the closed blinds and the unwanted surprise she would find behind them. Curity wasn't out. Damn. She opened the door and gasped when she was greeted by a truly unforgettable sight. Patrick Jane, laying on her couch, throwing his million-dollar smile at her. He was stark naked, and he was hard. Her mouth watered instantly. Jane, she growled. What would you have done if someone else had entered here right now? Well, I guess I would have blushed, he said calmly. Though I can't know. I'm not squeamish when it comes to nudity, as long as nobody touches me. You can, of course. Touch me, I mean. Feel free. I'm dessert, so to say. Somehow Lisbon wasn't hungry anymore. At least, not for food. Jane, she said calmly, this is my office. It's the middle of the day. You can't honestly believe I'm going to jump you in broad daylight on my couch for God's sake. He adopted a pretty adorable pout. Damn, that man was a pain in the neck. No problem, he shrugged. Just look at me and tell me you don't want me. Then I'll be a well-behaved little consultant. Get dressed and leave. No problem. Tell Patrick Jane that she didn't want him to push that silken, huge, sinfully huge card cock into her hungry, soaking core, so ready for him that the moisture was trickling down her thighs, wetting her pants. That's a fucking long sentence. Let's do that again. <laughs> a lot of commas in there. This is like I want you to imagine this is like a Tarantino movie or like maybe like a Marvel movie and I'm Thor. 
And this is me. I want you to imagine all of the commas, all of the pauses are me throwing out a lightning bolt at another henchman. Like this is this is the part where Thor just whips ass in a Marvel hallway. Ready? Every comma is a henchman. Here we go. No problem. Tell Patrick Dane that she didn't want him to push that silken, huge, sinfully hard cock into her hungry, soaking core, so ready for him that the mister was tricking down her thighs, wetting her pants. <laughs> true story about Christopher Walken. This is a true story about Christopher Walken. Screenplays don't have a lot of punctuation, and when Christopher Walken gets his fucking screenplays, he takes all the punctuation out of his lines. That's a true story. That's not a bit. My theory is this motherfucker took all of them and put them right back in. He put them right back in. He took all of Chris Walken's fucking missing punctuation and just threw it right on fucking into here. Okay, let's go next. She swallowed and locked the doors. Damn, why did he have to be so gorgeous and irresistible? He smiled, naked, triumph, visible. Do I fucking call it or what? I know. My writing instincts know with that smile. When I saw it three times in two paragraphs, I was like, I know he's going to say smile a million more times. This is Bruce Springsteen. This is Bruce Springsteen. This is what he does. He gets one lyric and he just fucking keeps repeating it the whole song. He writes one thing that doesn't sound like he's a knuckle-dragging moron. He's like, "Uh, do that one 20 times. Sorry, Bruce. Anyway, he sailed naked triumph visible on his features. I thought so, he said smugly, undress. Lisbon glared at him. Oh, come on, Lisbon, he whined, feigning indignation, rough, uncomfortable chafing jeans when you could feel the baby soft skin at my hips. And the slight dusting of my downy blonde hair on her legs instead. You can't be serious. She had opened the button as soon as he said baby soft skin and was wiggling out of her pants at this moment. That's good, Jane drawled, turning on to his stomach, presenting his backside like that was exactly as perfect as the front. (laughs) Now the rest... (laughs) <laughs> I'm absolutely doing that move I'm not only gonna so for one in my parlance right in my parlance being naked in the middle of the day on a couch is not called Thomas Janeing it's called Richard Roundtreeing right have any of y'all seen Shaft cause that's a plot point he's just fucking buck ass naked on a couch at one point in the middle of the day smoking a fucking joint That was his move. And he gets laid. I want to say that the woman who finds him is none too happy with his buck-ass naked ass on the couch. But she does end up fucking him. So I call this move the shaft. But Thomas Jane, on the other hand, has really fucking, like, pushed it through to another level. Because after a woman's already undressing... He flips on over on his stomach, wiggles his ass at her, and goes, Now the rest! And she keeps fucking going. So I'm going to do that. 
I'm going to pull the Richard Roundtree. I'm going to turn it into a Thomas Jane. And then I'm going to spin back around and helicopter my dick. And you're still going to want it somehow. Here comes the helicopter. All right. <laughs> His buttocks tensed slightly. She could see the sheer muscle beneath the skin. Her mouth went dry. Her hands rushed to discard the remaining clothes. What now? She rasped when she was completely naked. Jane looked at her in mock exasperation, lifted his lithe body from the couch to give her room. He indicated the upholstery beneath him with a slight shake of his head. I hope that's a rhetorical question, he whispered. I'm not into giving lectures right now. Always had a hard time thinking with an erection, no pun intended. She lay on the couch, bringing his body above hers, which felt strange, like sliding into a lion's den, voluntarily caging herself. He covered her slight frame with his considerably larger one, spreading her legs with his slim hips, and damn, his skin was baby soft. She moved her right legs on up to the backrest to give him more room and felt herself opening for him, his impressive hard-on sliding against her entrance, nudging her tender flesh impatiently. Jane looked at her. Damn, she was beautiful, her eyes so huge and emerald green, the emotions so easily readable for him. He bathed in them. It had been so long since anybody had loved him, and she did despite the fact that she had seen him at his worst. <laughs> that feels like it's a separate plot point <laughs> than the story we're reading. But all right. He reciprocated the feeling, even though he couldn't bring himself to say the word so far. She knew that it wasn't just sex. He'd made sure of it. For now... That had to be enough. He lowered his head, exhaling sweet breath against her face, watching her pupils dilate even further. He pressed his lips against her, swallowing her deep moan of bliss. He knew she liked his taste. All over. He spread a little bit more, pushing his tongue into her mouth, challenging hers, panting wet swirls on her taste buds. Damn, Lisbon, he growled against her lips. I can feel your witness against my erection. I don't mean the slightest resistance there. Just slide in there until I can't go in any further. Lisbon shuddered. That's what he was best at, playing with her mind. He could probably make her come just by talking. He hummed into her ear, translating his own pleasure directly into her system. She melted against him, shivering with delight. He allowed himself a brief moment to suck at her nipples, making her writhe with desire. But he knew that basically, this was a quickie, and he didn't want to waste precious time. Being naked was a dangerous bonus for he had to indulge his craving for close contact with her right now. Kissing her again, his tongue probing sensually, inhaling her sweetness deep into his lungs, he pressed into her, the wide head of his cock spreading her to the edge of pain. She loved the feeling. It made her tingle from head to toe and evoked an unbearable urge to feel him deeper, be filled with him completely. But Jane loved to torture her with the slowness of that first thrust. 
So she gritted her teeth and took it bravely, rocking her hips slowly back and forth to make him slide deeper. To no avail, of course, he always made it clear who was in control when she was beneath him. Strong hands gripped her hips and kept her in place. Jane loved to enter her, feel her tightness on the slick sheath all around him, squeezing, clutching, igniting a wildfire of feelings deep inside his guts. His length quivered with anticipation when he fed her inch for inch, surging deeper and deeper, feeling unbearably soft tissue stretch for his intrusion. He watched her closely, her head thrown back, the pulse fluttering at her slender neck. He put his mouth there, sucking at the hot little spot, sensing the power of her heartbeat against his lips. A shudder ran through him and made him slide the last inch in one single hard stroke. He pushed his hand against her mouth to stifle her cry. Shh, he whispered. I will take you so hard and fast that you will want to scream all the time, but you have to stay silent. Be a brave little girl, Lisbon. His voice was hoarse, affected, and she loved to see him like this, to know that she mattered that much. He was a master at concealing his feelings, but in his arms he let the walls down and showed her how much he truly cared. <clears throat> she nuzzled her hair, feeling his huge erection twitch inside her, the nerve endings firing full force with the sheer pleasure of it. Her breath accelerated even more, and she almost heard the blood rushing through her body. Jane pushed up on his arms, and she knew what came next, bracing herself, binding her lip to keep the noises in. She didn't take prisoners, there was no time, and he undoubtedly knew how close she was. He knew everything. In fact, she came as soon as he thrusted, started to thrust hard and fast, savoring the impact every time he hit the limits of her body, pushing up against her womb. The sensation was acute, and so it was almost painful. She loved it. She wanted to scream and bit her own hand to stop the sound before it could emerge. The tension of her lower body snapped, and climax branded through her like a force of nature, all muscles tensing under the force of coming that hard. He sent her directly into multiple orgasms. She came for him again and again, the ripples around his cock testing his stamina, but he wasn't relenting. His momentum was scary. He pushed her higher and higher on the couch until she wrapped her legs around his waist, deepening the penetration, and he groaned for all he was worth, his thrusts getting harder, faster, his hand curling around her neck to keep her in place. She came more, more, crying with the effort of staying silent and the nerve-wracking emotions crashing through her like a flash flood. Pleasure made her dizzy, and for a moment, time stopped. Through the haze of her endless climaxing, she felt him go rigid in her arms before the balmy heat exploded inside her, the warm wash of a seed bathing her convulsing walls as he gasped with the power of release. 
more and more semen erupting deep into her clenching sheath, her contracting womb sucking in the last of his cum. She could hardly breathe when she came down from the burning ecstasy that had shaken her to their core. She was resting atop, but the weight didn't bother her. She wanted, needed to feel him like this. She wrapped her arms around his neck and pushed her nose against the nape of his neck. Almost noon, Lisbon, he whispered in her ear. Didn't you have that enormously important seminar precisely at twelve o'clock today? Her eyes snapped open, and she was already pushing at his chest, wriggling out from under him. Damn, Jane! She cried out, getting dressed as fast as she could. You bastard! She'd kill you right now. Damn, how could I forget that? Don't be so hard on yourself, my dear. He chuckled, reclining comfortably on the couch. I can be rather distracting when I set my mind to it. She glared at him and stormed out of the office. Jane stretched and pulled the comforter from the backrest, covering his naked frame up to his chin. Time to get some rest. Somehow, he had a feeling that he was facing a pretty exhausting time at her apartment tonight. He had to make amends, after all. The end. Let's see if Spinster get right through it. She did. Thank you, Spinster. All right, this may be our last big piece. We'll see. Ingrid S. says, love from the Scandi. Thank you, Ingrid. Much love for the Scandi. I miss you, women. You're so easy and beautiful. Okay. Taxi was from Charleston, South Carolina, a confused debutante who split with her family and had come to New York. Just one second. She had a poignantly vacant, vulnerable quality that made her a reflection of everybody's private fantasies. Taxi could be anything you wanted her to be. A little girl, a woman, intelligent, dumb, rich, poor, anything. She was a wonderful, beautiful blank. The mystique to end all mystiques. She was also a compulsive liar. She just couldn't tell the truth about anything. And what an actress. She could really turn on the tears. She could somehow always make you believe her. That's how she got what she wanted. Taxi invented the miniskirt. She was trying to prove to her family back in Charleston that she could live on nothing, so she would go to the Lower East Side and buy the cheapest clothes, which happened to be little girls' skirts, and her waist was so tiny she could get away with it. Fifty cents a skirt? She was the first person to wear a ballet's tights as a complete outfit with big earrings to dress it up. She was an innovator out of necessity as well as fun, and the big fashion magazines picked up on her look right away. She was pretty incredible. We were introduced by a mutual friend who had just made a fortune promoting a new concept in the kitchen appliance on television quiz shows. After one look at Taxi, I could see that she had more problems than anybody I'd ever met. So beautiful, but... So sick. 
I was really intrigued. She was living off the end of her money. She still had a nice Sutton Place apartment, and now that she would take a rich friend into giving her a wad, as I said, she could turn on the tears to get anything she wanted. In the beginning, I had no idea how many drugs Taxi took, but as we saw more and more of each other, it began to dawn on me how much of a problem she had. Next importance for her, after taking the drugs, was having the drugs, hoarding them. She would hop in a limousine and make a run to Philly, crying the whole way that she had no amphetamines. And, somehow, she would always get them because there was just something about taxi. She would add to it, add to her pounds stashed away at home in the bottom of her footlocker. One of her rich sponsor friends even tried to set her up in the fashion business, designing her own line of clothes. He bought a loft on the 29th Street outright from a schlock designer who had just bought a, con- a condominium in Florida and wanted to leave the city fast. The sponsor friend took the operation of the whole loft with the seven seamstresses still at their machines and brought Taxi in to start designing. The mechanics of the business were all set up. All she had to do was come up with the designs so there was basically no more copies of outfits than she styled for herself. She wound up giving pokes to the seamstresses and playing with the bottles of beads and buttons and trimmings that the previous manager had left lining the wall. The business needed to say, didn't prosper. Taxi would spend most of the day at lunch uptown at Rubens ordering their celebrity sandwiches, the Anne Maria Abaghetti, the Arthur Godfrey, the Morton Downey were her favorites. And she would keep running into the ladies' room and sticking her finger down her throat, throwing each one up. She was obsessed with not getting fat. She'd eat and eat on a spree and then throw and throw up, and then take four downers and pop off for four days at a time. Meanwhile, her friends would come in to rearrange her pocketbook while she was sleeping. She'd wake up four days later and deny that she'd been asleep. At first, I thought that Taxi was only hoarding drugs. I knew that hoarding is a kind of selfishness, but I thought it was only with the drugs that she was that way. I'd see her beg people for enough for a poke and then go and file it in the bottom of her footlocker like its own little envelope with a date on it. But I finally realized that Taxi was selfish about absolutely everything. One day, when she was still in the designing business of a friend, and I went to visit her, there were scraps and scraps of velvets and satins all over the floor, and my friend asked if she could have a piece just large enough to make a cover for a dictionary she owned. There were thousands of scraps all over the floor, practically covering our feet, but Taxi looked at her and said, The best time is in the morning. Just come by in the morning and look through the pails out in front, and you'll probably find something. Another time, we were riding in a cab, and she was crying that she didn't have any money, that she was poor, and she opened her pocketbook for a Kleenex, and I happened to catch sight of those clear plastic change purses all stuffed with green. I didn't bother to say anything. What was the point? But the next day, I asked her, What happened to that clear plastic change purse you had yesterday that was stuffed with money? Oh, it was stolen last night at the discotheque. She couldn't tell the truth about anything. 
Taxi hoarded braziers. She kept around 50 bras in graduated shades of beige and pale pink and deep rose and coral and white all in her trunk. They all had the price tags on them. She would never remove a price tag, not even from the clothes she wore. One day, the same friend that asked her for the scrap of material that was short on cash and taxi owed her money. So she decided to take a brassiere that still had the Bendel's tags on it in the back of the store and get a refund. When taxi wasn't looking, she stuffed it into her bag and went uptown. She went to the lingerie department and explained that she was returning the bra for a friend. It was obvious that the girl was far from an A-cup. The sales lady disappeared for ten minutes and then came back holding the bra, saying that some kind of logbook had said, Madame, this bra was purchased in 1956. Taxi was a hoarder. Taxi had an incredible amount of makeup in her bag and her footlocker, 50 pairs of lashes arranged according to size, 50 mascara wands, 20 mascara cakes, every shade of Revlon shadow ever made, iridescent and regular, matte and shiny, 20 Max Factor blush-ons. She spent hours with her makeup bags, scotch-taping little labels on everything, dusting and shining the bottles and compacts. Everything had to look perfect. But she didn't care about anything below the deck. She would never take a bath. I would say taxi take a bath and run the water and she would go to the bathroom with a bag and stay there for an hour. I'd yell, are you in the tub? Yes, I'm in the tub. Splash, splash. But I'd hear her tiptoeing around the bathroom and I'd peek through the keyhole and she'd be standing in front of the mirror putting on more makeup that was already caked on her face. She would never put water on her face, only those degreasers, only those tissue-thin vapors you press on that remove oils without ruining the makeup. She used those. A few minutes later, I'd peek through that keyhole again, and she'd be recopying her address book or somebody else's address book. It didn't matter. Or else, she'd be up sitting with a yellow legal pad making the list of all the men that she'd ever be in bed with, dividing them into categories, slept, fucked, and cuddled. If she made a mistake on the list and looked messy, she'd tear it off and start all over again. After an hour, she'd come out of the bathroom and I'd say, gratuitously, you didn't take a bath. Yes, yes, I did. I slept in the same bed with Taxi once. Someone was after her and she didn't want to sleep with him. So she crawled into the next bed of the next room with me. She fell asleep, and I couldn't stop looking at her, because I was so fascinated but horrified. Her hands kept crawling. They couldn't sleep. They couldn't stay still. She scratched herself constantly, digging her nails in and leaving marks. In three hours, she woke up and said immediately that she hadn't been asleep. Taxi drifted away from us after she started seeing a singer musician who I can only describe as the definitive pop star, possibly of all time, who was then fast gaining recognition on both sides of the Atlantic as the thinking Elvis Presley. I missed having her around, but I told myself that it was probably a good thing, and that he was taking care of her now, because maybe he knows how to do it better than we had. Taxi died a few years ago in Hawaii, where an important industrialist had taken her 
for a rest. I hadn't seen her for years. The end. Okay. Thanks for that, spinster. Really romantic. Thank you for not paying and having me read that right before phone sex. <laughs> it's perfect. It's the perfect tone for this. Also, everybody who did Edgar Allan Poe. The three of you who asked for Edgar Allan Poe. A second piece will be read. You're you're great. You're thank you so much. No, 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 no. It's Christmas. It's sexual. There's phone sex. Let's read fucking James Thurber and Edgar Allan Poe. Here we go. Spirits of the Dead. And thy soul shall find itself alone mid dark thoughts of the gray tombstone, not one of all the crowd to pry into thy honor of secrecy, but silent in that solitude which is not loneliness, for then the spirits of the dead who stood in life before thee are again in death around thee, and there will shadow over thee be still. The night, though clear, shall frown, and the stars shall not look down from their high thrones in heaven with lights like hope to mortals given, but their red orbs without beam to thy weariness shall seem as a burning and a fever which would cling to thee forever. Now are thoughts thou shall not banish. Now are visions never to vanish. And from the spirit they pass no more like dewdrops from the grass. This breeze, the breath of God, is still. And the mist upon the hill. Shadowy, shadowy yet unbroken, is a symbol and a token, how it hangs upon the trees, a mystery of mysteries. Okay. Everybody in the mood for romance after that? After those last two stories? Because I sure am. Allie, who's the lucky winner? <laughs> cookie, cookie, cookie. Cookie, could you get ready, please? What kind of accent is that, Cookie? What kind of accent is that, Cookie? Um, a British one, I think. You're not sure? <laughs> um, it's it's a little bit mixed up. I okay. What's it mixed with, then? Um, well, I'm from Zimbabwe, but... Oh, my. In England. How long have you been in England? Um... 16 years. Well, that'll mix it up. <laughs> I've never met a fan from Zimbabwe originally before. You're my first. Okay. Mm, you know, I was actually talking about how I was doing really well with British women, UK women. Do you okay. think you would fall under that umbrella? 
Yes, I think so. So I do well with you? Yes. I'm so glad to hear that. Oh, you have such a nice voice. I'm turning you up. <laughs> mm-hmm. The laugh's not bad either. Thanks. Mm, you're very welcome. Why the name Cookie? Um, well, I really like the show Empire. <laughs> okay. The character Cookie. <laughs> okay. No, I've only seen the pilot. You think uh, I should keep going? <laughs> Definitely the first season. Definitely the first season. Okay. I am right now just trying to relax you a little bit. And I'm trying to turn you on, but I don't want to turn you on too much by saying Terrence Howard. But I'm going to say it anyway. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> is he your favorite actor on the show? No, Taraji is. <laughs> okay. Okay. Just asking. I'm just asking. I'm a Terrence Howard man. I like him because he refuses to do math the right way out of just <laughs> out of just spite. And I'm pretty much the exact same way. I also do things really well, but I refuse to do things normally out of spite. So, Cookie, yeah. I was wondering, did you hear anything about the last couple of bouts of phone sex? Um, hear anything in terms of... Did you listen to them by chance, or do you know anything about them? Um, I listened to one of them. Okay. Um, I've been getting busy. Oh, don't worry. It's the holiday season. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out what your level of awareness is and how to engage you about it. And I'm getting the impression that we should go into this a little bit slow, huh? Okay. Yeah? Sounds like a good idea. <laughs> okay. So, I'm saying this because when I did this originally three weeks ago, the gal who was chosen beat me up real bad, right? She was just a real, real tough customer and bruised my ego. And so the last time I did this, I kind of took it out on three girls, and that was fun. But this time, I kind of wanted to go somewhere in between. And okay. so I'm just trying to open you up a little bit more slowly, and then I'm going to make you come real hard for me. Is that okay? That sounds great. Good. But what I'd really like is verbal confirmation that you're going to come very hard for me. Yes. I love that. I love that. Do you know before I was the Grey Knight that I would have to make women take an extra step there? They would go, why do I, why do I know I'm going to come so hard there? <laughs> But now I'm the Grey Nine, I get to skip that time. And it's a lot of fucking fun for me. How many toys do you have, Cookie? Two. Mm. And which one of those toys is your favorite? Ah, mm. hard to pick. Oh, okay, go ahead. Um, I said, like, the butt plug. The butt plug? Yeah. Well, what's the other toy? The vibrator. Well, guess what? You're a lucky girl and you don't have to choose. <laughs> I mean, we'll use one before the other, but... 
you're such a good girl using two toys that can be together in concert. You see, most girls with two toys, they both kind of do the same thing. They'll have a dildo and a wand, etc. Cookie, cookie, cookie. Mm, mm, mm. When's the last time you came? Yesterday? And when was the last time you came for me? Yesterday? Good girl. What was it to? Um, I forgot the name of it. Um, I think it's uh, Slut Me Wild's Teeth. Oh my goodness. Cookie, I'm not just trying to flatter you. I imagine that people say this to you pretty quickly. You're very smart, aren't you? <laughs> you are, aren't you? <laughs> people say it very yes. quickly, yeah. Can I just say how much I love that you're a blathering little idiot for me right now? Just because I'm talking about your pussy? I love that we've <laughs> just met, and you're giggling, and you're writhing for me. I love it. It's made me feel so confident, so powerful. I'm going to level with you. I've been feeling an amazing health all, all, all these last about 10 days. A really good health. And then, midway through the show, I actually felt a little bit of a stomach gurgle, right? Like Murphy's Law. And I just have to say that right now, you are making me feel so fucking confident. You're making me feel so fucking secure just because of how you're smiling. Like it's just making all the anxiety about that dissipate. So thank you for that, Cookie. That's great. What do you want to call me? <laughs> Anything. Uh I'd like to call you that. Oh, little girl, little girl. I would like that very much as well. And I would also very, very, very much like for you to tell me about that vibrator. Uh, <laughs> Grab it. Well. Pull it close. Get a good look at it. Tell me what I'm going to be fucking you with. Uh, well, it's black. Mmm. Somewhere in the... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Keep going. Tell me about um. it. That is what I'm going to fuck you with. I can't fuck you with the butt plug. So I need to know about this one. Don't worry, you won't explain that one. You'll just be shoving it up your ass for me. But this one, I need to know about. Um, it's not that big, I guess. Okay, okay. Um, yeah. Fairly. Fairly. Fairly what? Square. Square? It's wide? <laughs> no, not No, wide. it's not wide. It's just square. It's just harsh inside you. It's got those angles. How does it feel to yeah, grip it? 
what? Salt? <laughs> really? Yeah. I'm very curious to see this. I can't picture it, and I've heard about a lot of sex toys. Right. <laughs> well, it's not that big, and it's kind of square, and it feels good. So I guess I don't need to know that much about it besides what are you wearing for me right now? Um. Take your time. Oh, can you hear me? No, I can't. What are you wearing for me right now? <laughs> um, I'm wearing gray. Gray what? Tank top. Is that it? I work. Oh, you're cutting in and out, darling. Isn't that Jess Murphy's Law twice over? <laughs> you're wearing a gray tank top and what? Panties. What were you wearing when Allie told you that you were the one who was going to be having phone sex with me? What were you wearing when she told you that? Well, then that's a huge fucking mistake, isn't it? <laughs> the fact that you're wearing the same thing before and after you found out I was going to fuck you? I don't think there's a lot of girls who would make that mistake. I don't think there's a lot of girls who would think that at all. Say you're sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, that's too big of a smile to mean it. What kind of panties? Um. Well, that's right. Pull me close to your mouth. I want to hear you. I want to hear your gasps and your moans. You know how you like hearing men gasp and moan? I need to hear it from you, too. So keep it close. I know you're embarrassed. Don't worry. It's going to get a lot easier as soon as Daddy goes inside you. Okay. Good girl. Close um, your eyes. Close your eyes. Good girl. You know, you're smart enough that I can tell you about some of my tricks, and I think they'll still work on you right now. I'm running you. I'm pushing you. I'm using a deeper, harder voice, and I keep shifting the goalpost in the hopes that it makes you anxious, in the hopes that you can't keep your center. Is it working? Yes. Good. Start peeling those panties off. glad we got a European for the Euro show. I haven't heard a British girl come for me in a week or so. And I really, really want to fucking fix that because you tend to be a little bit higher pitched than American girls and just let it all out. Mm-hmm. So the way this is going to work is you're going to come for me, and then you're going to ask me, Daddy, can I play with my ass now? 
and when I give you permission, you can put the plug in. Okay. Okay. Yes. Let's turn the toy on. I want to hear if we can hear it. Mm. Oh, yes, we can. <laughs> and you haven't been all that vocal, but I imagine that's going to be changing very, very quickly now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good girl. You're such a good girl. I absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. Perfect. It's supposed to be loud. I'm supposed to hear you. And that's exactly what I want from you. Mm-hmm. I'm not even touching myself yet. I'm not even hard. I'm taking my time with you. I'm gonna make you come. I'm gonna make you whimper. I'm gonna make you come again. I'm not even gonna pull my fucking cock out until you've come for me. That was me <clears throat> readjusting in my chair because I realized that I have you for as long as I want you. I want you to tell me the truth. When I said that I'd only be fucking one girl tonight, and I found out it was you, did you die a little? Yeah. Good girl. Daddy would never lie to you. I promise there's not a second girl. There's no one else. I just want to seduce you tonight as completely as I can. I have to watch the recording or otherwise I would close my eyes completely. I would close them completely and listen to you. I'm into you and this arouses me. And everything I said was true. I'm turned on right now because you're a smart, good girl, and look at how easily I break you. Look at how easily I break you. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Good girl. Oh. Mm-hmm. I don't know why or how I got so lucky as to be the one you trust to usher this all in, but I love it. Oh, yes, I do. I get to make you laugh. I get to torture you. I get to open you up and you say thank you for it. I'm going to leave you a little sobbing mess. Oh, yes, I am, Cookie. I'm going to leave you shaking and dehydrated and twisted, and you're going to say thank you, Daddy, knowing that I'm going to leave you and go and play and do what I want with other girls 
in other ways. But there's an upside. There's an upside to being played with like that. I ate <laughs> vegan on Thursday. I ate very clean yesterday. I haven't had anything bad for me in days, not since Wednesday. I've been working out, drinking water. I slept and rested in for you. I am in perfect condition. I haven't come since last night. So, even though Daddy's going to get tired of you and throw you away like a sock that he's come inside, he's still treating you like a sacred precious thing before he does you're both you're both you're both the little hole for me to come into and be done and the highlight of my day you are both cookie you're both and I didn't even know who you were before right goddamn now and still I dreamed of you and I thought of you. And I want you to hear this because you're about to fucking come for me. I dreamed you and I thought of you before I met you. And you're fucking perfect. You're fucking perfect. Except that you're not coming for me. Except that you're not coming for me, little girl. Little girl, push it. Little girl, push it. Where are we? Where are we? It's all for you. It's all for you. And you haven't come for me once. We haven't even started playing with your ass, little girl, little girl, little girl. Am I going to have to get me? Am I going to get lower? Because I'm not going to get longer. Give me that fucking come. Give me that fucking come. Now. 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 Absolutely. Just like the good little girl you are, you did such a good job. You did such a good job. Take your time. Take your time and push it in. You're such a good girl. Take your time and push it in. I know it's so embarrassing moaning like that. I know it's so embarrassing asking like that. But you are such a good little girl. Yes, you are. I'm pulling out my cock now. It's a little bit sweaty. It's a little bit hot in here. So there's just a little bit of sweat on my balls. Okay. Okay. Kitten. Cookie. Yeah. I don't hear yeah. you. Do you not hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. So you're saying something's going up your ass right now? Yes, it is. And we don't hear anything? <laughs> oh, little girl, little girl. Are you going to need daddy's big cock up your ass to make a noise? 
<laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Are you that used to it? <laughs> How often do you fuck your ass, Cookie? Well, it varies a lot. It varies a lot? When's the last time you mm. fucked your ass? Maybe a few weeks ago. Oh, good. I like that you're out of practice. I want you to tell me the truth, and this is going to be very, very sad for you. But if you <laughs> found out that I was coming to your neck of England for a live show, how yeah. long would you go without fucking your ass just in the hopes that I might? That I might be the one to open it up. Just that I might pick you out, go out with you later that night, and then shove my daddy cock inside you. How long would you plan ahead of that? Well, probably as soon as I found out. <laughs> What's the position of the plug right now, Cookie? Um, it's almost all the way in. Good. And tell me, what's your pussy doing as you push it deeper and deeper in? I've always been so curious, and every woman describes it differently. So what's it feel like for you? Uh, I guess it <laughs> kind of makes it more sense. Good. Will you rub your clit a little bit? As you slide it the last bit of the way in, just a little bit. Good girl. Take your time. So many beautiful little girl places that need to be filled and marked with daddy's cum. We don't have to hurry up your ass too much. We can go nice and slow. We can go nice and slow and just play with your clit like the good little girl you are. Do you hear that I'm hard for you now? <laughs> yeah. You do? How's it different? What's different? How can you hear it? Mm. Oh, you're such... <laughs> you're so articulate, able to try and express that with that fucking thing up your ass. With your finger on your clit, you're embarrassed and splayed out in front of everyone. You're such a good girl, you're trying so hard. But isn't it funny how for once the man is rock hard and stroking his cock and he can talk circles around you? That's because daddy has power here and you're just an embarrassed little slut. Mm-hmm. Did you ever think you'd come in front of all these girls? Nah, I didn't think so. Cookie, thousands of women are going to hear you come. Thousands of women are going to touch themselves to you fucking your ass. <laughs> <laughs>
doesn't that make you terrified? Some of them are going to think such mean things. They're going to be so jealous. They're going to think such mean things. Daddy's just here to make it worth it. Daddy's just here to make you come. But I don't want you to come with this thing up your ass. I don't want you to come while you're fucking yourself. I'm not here to make you come like that. Get the toy. Let's start pushing it inside. I'm not here to make you come now, Cookie. I'm here to make you come when you fucking think about this because you haven't. Are you pushing it inside? Sorry. Are you pushing it inside? Yeah. I'm here to make you come to what you're really doing because you haven't thought about it yet. Because your pussy took you over. And so here I'm here to punish that fucking pussy for its goddamn greed, for its avarice. Cookie. Yes. Because your brain is very smart, but your pussy overruled it. And so now I'm going to tell your brain the shocking horror of what you're about to enter into and then have your pussy overrule it one more time. Fuck yourself for me, Cookie. Fuck yourself good for me, Cookie. Everyone is going to hear your voice. I'm getting more and more famous, and I'm going to put this up as a podcast. Oh, yes, I am. And people are going to hear it for years and years. After you come, you will be mortified. And after you are mortified, you will be empty and cold. So why would daddy do this to a good little girl like you? Because he knows something that you fucking don't. After the shame, after you're hollowed out and after I drink you like I've stuck a straw into your belly button and pulled out all the blood, after you feel all of that cookie, you're going to remember that when you were young and willing and hot, that you fucking did it. You fucked it. You went in front of all those other girls. You shoved it up your ass. You asked to be called little girl and say daddy and to fuck yourself as hard as you could. You were that brave. You are that brave. That's what's happening. That's what your pussy knows that your mind doesn't. That's what your pussy knows that your mind couldn't. Your brain can't get there, but your pussy does. Come for me. 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 Yes. Now. Now, now, God damn it, Cookie. Go, go, go. Push, push, push. Now. What do you say after you come? What do you say after you come, Cookie? You're very welcome, little girl. Do you want to come? Good girl, because I want to come too. So I'm leaning back now. This one's not for you. I'm not giving you the instructions. This one's for me now. Do you want to try and come with daddy with a toy up your ass?
You do? You want to try? You want to be the only girl I come to today? You really want that? Do you want to? You need to tell me that you're going to come to this again. I'm going to come for you again, Daddy. Not to me. I know you're going to fucking come to me again. You're going to come to this fucking thing a thousand times. Have you not been paying attention? I said I need you to fucking say you're going to come to this again. This recording that you're going to listen to yourself and your two loud moans and fuck yourself and come for me again. I know you're coming for me again, Cookie. You're coming for me again as many times as I want. Say you're going to come to this. I'm going to come to this Good girl. Good girl. Don't make me sit up again. I will put my cock away. Fuck yourself. And just for the record, if you disappoint me one more time, I'm not coming for anybody today. I'll save it up and wait till tomorrow morning when I wake up and I feel splendid. And I think about all the girls who want to pay me to talk about how sexy I am. And that beautiful little pre-dawn light. And I'll come here. So don't fuck up again. Good girl. Do you love being told that you're a little slut like this? Do you love the goalposts being moved on you? I think it makes your pussy that much harder. Does it make your pussy that much harder? Do you know that I would never do it outside the bedroom? You know that much? Good girl, but in the bedroom you are just nothing. Little holes for daddy, and you don't even know how to use your own little dirty holes. You don't even know how to use your own little dirty holes. But daddy knows how to use them. Good girl, good girl, come on, come on. Yes, 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 yes. You can come again, you can come again, girl. Good girl. Now, little girl, I'm going to take a step back from something I said. I'm actually going to ask you to move the mic a little just a little bit away from your mouth. Because it is time for all the girls. I'm turning you down a little bit as well. You should so hopefully be heard. It's time for all the girls who want to hear daddy moan and come to hear that mostly. So you're going to moan and come with me just like before. Yes? You're going to fuck yourself just like before? Except this time, the audio is going to be focused on Daddy. You did such a good job coming so quick. Are you going to try and come again? Good girl. This is the fun one. This is the one that you listen to. This is the part of it. You're really going to enjoy because our volumes are going to be pretty close to equal. Mm -hmm. Yes.
how long has it been since you've had a partner? <laughs> I've never had a partner. You're a fucking virgin. How old are you? I'm 21. Oh my god, another little virgin girl for me. A virgin with a butt plug. <laughs> well, you keep talking like this, daddy might just fuck your ass. Mm -hmm. You would really like. Oh, I know you would. Girl, little girl, keep fucking yourself for me. Good girl. I don't think you've been good enough to get this load of cum up your ass. So where should it go? It's definitely not going inside your pussy. So where should it go? In my mouth. In your mouth? Have you ever had cum in your mouth? No. Are you willing to turn around after daddy fucks you up your ass and suck that cum out? Yes, daddy. Oh, good girl. What a good little girl. So inviting to go up your ass and then right down your throat. I don't even care for it, but it's the only way that daddy will fuck your virgin ass is if he can go up it and then down your mouth without ever touching your pussy. <sighs>
Get ready. Get ready to push yourself for me, little girl. Good girl. such a dirty little girl. You're such a dirty fucking little girl. Yes. Yes. Come for me. 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 Cookie. Cookie. Yes. That hurt, goddammit. Did it hurt you? No. Did it hurt you? It didn't hurt you? Well, it's about to fucking fuck yourself harder, 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 harder. Let's go. Let's go harder. Come on. Come on. Grind your ass against the goddamn sheets. Harder. Harder. I know that plug can go deeper. I know you've never fucked yourself as hard as you could. I know you fucked yourself as hard as you could. I'm out of fucking breath. Don't make me say it again. I'm out of hard breath. Don't fucking make me say it again. Harder, 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 harder. Yes, 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 yes. Don't stop. Don't stop. Go, 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 go. Stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. Keep going. Keep going. We're not done with you yet. You're going to come again. We're not done with you yet. You're going to come again. Daddy is not fucking done with you yet. You're gonna come again. Don't fucking stop. Don't slow down. Go, go, go. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you fucking can. Yes, you fucking can. Yes, yes, yes. Keep it going. Keep it going. Grind that ass against the sheets. I said grind that ass. Harder, 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 harder. You're almost there. You're almost there. You're almost there. Yes, you can. Come again. Yes, you can. Yes, 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 yes. Good girl. Good girl. Good girl. So let's try that again. Did it hurt, Cookie? Say thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Daddy. Oh, you're so welcome, Cookie. You're such a good little girl. <laughs> You're such a brave little girl. <laughs> Thank you. Mm -hmm. mm. You have an amazing voice. You have such a nice attitude. I really, really, really I could be the first dollop of cum in your mouth, making you clean me up. Mm -hmm. I wish you get to. Oh, I know it. I'm so glad that you hadn't had your toy in a couple of weeks. Made it a lot more fun. Yeah. So what do you want to be when you grow up? 
I'm not 100% sure. I think I might want to work in a think tank. Well, you've got the fucking alacrity for it. You think on your feet pretty quick. Mm. Next generation of great British policy, huh? Uh, Something like that. Maybe Zimbabwe. Maybe Zimbabwe. Had a girl. I mean that sincerely. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Changing policy in Zimbabwe, that... That would be pretty amazing. Had a girl. Mm-hmm. You're very welcome. Will you touch your face for me? Thank you. I didn't look at your profile picture until now. I don't look until after. You're very beautiful. I love your hair. Did we mess it up a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> and you have an amazing smile in that picture. Do you have an amazing smile right now? <laughs> See, that one is a bit of a cheat. I already knew that you did. But never hurts to ask. Yeah. Well, um, I'm girl. I had a lot of fun, Cookie. <laughs> I don't know how to. I don't know how to do this publicly. I've I've gotten better at it privately. Uh, so I'm not quite sure how to dismount. But before I go, is there anything that you want to hear? Is there anything that I can say that would make this more validating, more enriching for you, since you did give so much of yourself? I'm sorry, you had a what? Let me turn you back I up. Sure, sure, but that's why we're asking. There's no timer. This is aftercare. <laughs> that's all. And we may not know each other well, but I really enjoyed what we shared. So don't feel like it's greedy or selfish or any of the rest. I'm really wanting to give it to you. Yeah? Yeah. Good. Just for instance, while you're thinking, I'm going to do a little daddy-dom aftercare. Like I said, I haven't had any cheese in days. Yeah? So mm -hmm. I'm going to have a big old burrito. I don't know if I'm going to treat myself and get breakfast burritos, which are more expensive, or a big burrito, which is less expensive. They're both very good. And I've got beers left over from last night. And I don't have anything scheduled in the morning for me tomorrow. So, even though it's a little bit of a preparation to do this, to do these shows and get in the mood and all that, it's fine, because there's aftercare for me, too. So, now that you know that I'm doing some aftercare for me, and that it's totally okay, is there anything I can do for you, Cookie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If you could call me a good You were such a good and brave little girl. And I mean that sincerely. You gave it all. You did everything. You went through it. And I'm going to say one more thing besides that you were a good and great little girl. Even though you haven't had a partner, 
I had a very clear understanding of where you wanted me to go and what those lines were. I had a very clear understanding and was very comfortable because of how you presented yourself. And so I say this and I mean it. Uh, the reason why I said guys compliment you on your intellect pretty quickly, or people in general, is because it's apparent. And uh, it's been a lot of fun playing with you because of it. Your your general ability to to say and express yourself it's very rewarding, and when it comes time to actually have partners, uh, I'm assuming that you're holding off for various reasons, they are going to be very appreciative for you. Say thank you, Daddy. Good girl. <laughs> thank you, Daddy. Mm-hmm. It's okay. I blow over Europeans all the time with how complimentary I am. I sometimes lock them up. Unfortunately, I complimented a guard in front of London, and he didn't move for days. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for just being so brave and all the rest. And uh, I think that's going to about do it for everybody. I'm going to mute Cookie again. Uh, I don't know how to do it besides server mute, so... Allie, please keep in mind that she's server-muted while you do your thing and you have to unserver-mute her. Sorry for that. Girls last time. <laughs> I'm done with you, and now you're muted. Uh, that's how it went last time. I got done with the phone sex girls, and then I put you know electric tape over their mouths effectively. <laughs> done and discarded. Uh, not as long as the last show, but we had a lot of fun, I think. Uh, it was very interesting having a piece that was both a little bit silly and a little bit sexy. Lots of poetry, and that wasn't hard at all. And then a more uh, thorough example, I guess, of what phone sex is like when I take my time and do it. So, Cookie, thank you again. You are amazing. All the girls, thank you for everything. The tip jar is going to be posted one more time. I'm going to stop the recording now. Goodbye, recording. <laughs>